0: Welcome to Every Moment His, a podcast dedicated to contemplating how God's preached word impacts every moment of our lives. This sermon was preached at Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska, by Pastor Tim Barone. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Uh, As we continue to walk through this sermon series, we've taken glances at the different places that God has called us to serve in this world. Uh, Now that we are saved by the blood of Jesus, by his mercy over our lives, uh, he has work for us to do. Uh, He created us in Christ Jesus for good works that we might walk in. And we've been examining those different places in our lives where he has called us to walk, uh, in our families, uh, in our church communities. And now we're looking at how we are to live uh, among those who are outside of the church. And so last week we looked at our work and how our work is meaningful to God since God saved us, saved our work, and saved creation. Uh, now we're going to, in particular, look at how we are, going, how we are to, to work or walk in front of those who are outside of the church Uh, So how should we live in front of our neighbors who do not believe? Uh, And so as as we get into this, I just want everyone who is here to to bring into mind uh, someone in your life that does not believe. And almost all of us are going to have someone in our lives, either it's in our family, or our friends, or our neighbors some acquaintance that you have that does not know the Lord Jesus, does not receive his grace, right? doesn't uh, participate in the hope that he has given in the world. And so bring that person into mind. Think about who they are. Bring their name to mind. And as we go through this message from the book of Colossians, I just want you to encourage you to take this this message that's there and apply it directly to that person, apply it to that circumstance that God has placed you into. Because um, God has called you for a purpose and he has placed you into proximity with that person for a reason. Uh, You are called to walk in front of them with a purpose, with a reason, with the hope that's in Jesus. And so our task is to take what's in the scripture and apply it into our lives, to not let it stay on the page, but let it become a part of who we are. And so we're going to be looking through uh, this passage in Colossians 4. I'd encourage you, if you have a, a Bible in front of you, to open that up so you can follow along, make sure I'm not making it up. But we're going to look at this This question of how we are to walk in front of those who are outside of the church of God. And here's the first thing that uh, he says. St. Paul is is talking to this group of young Christians uh, in Colossae. And he says this, firstly, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. I highlighted that word steadfastly for you because I want you to to know what's behind those words. The word really is a struggle. And actually, some translations say devotion, right? But it, it really says when you are praying, don't give up easily. Now, everyone I talk to, I don't think I've ever talked to anyone ever who said, you know what, prayer just comes supernaturally to me, it just happens. But most everyone I talk to, they say, you know what? One of the habits I want to build as a Christian is a better prayer life. One of the habits I want to build is a better time of reflection with with God. So have you ever had a struggle keeping consistent with your prayers? Of course you have. And here's why. Because when we're praying to God... What we're doing is we're, we're acknowledging his existence, we're acknowledging his, his lordship over us, and we're attempting to ask him to, to conform our wills to his will. Now, why would you suspect that you don't want to do that all the time? It's because a lot of times, in our sinful nature, we don't want to do God's will, do we? I, I want to be the center of the universe, not God. I want God to be a part of my story, not me to be a part of God's story. Right? So, our, in our sinful natures, we're never really going to want to pray. We're never going to consult the Lord of the universe about our lives, about what we do with our, our money, our time, about what's going on in the world. No, we want to consult ourselves. We want to be in charge, we want to be the boss. And so, I want you to begin to be suspicious of any inclination in your, in your heart that would say, I don't feel like praying today. Begin to be suspicious of it, begin to recognize that that, that part, that voice that wants to keep you away, that, that laziness, that, that apathy, is the voice of your sinful nature. It is the voice of Satan saying, ah, you don't really need a God today. And just to be aware of that, be aware of that deception. And so he says to the Christians, he says, continue steadfastly in this. Continue to struggle. If you you fall off, get back up. Get back into it. Continue to wrestle with the Holy Spirit to conform yourself to his will. And of course, this is what we see Jesus doing, isn't it, in the Gospels. We see Jesus getting up early before the sun's up to go out and to pray by himself. What's he doing with that? He's wrestling with God's will. The the best example of this is in the Garden of Gethsemane, when we see Jesus go to the garden and he says to his father three times, Father, I don't want to do this. Is there any, any way that you could take this cup away from me? And he wrestles with it. And what's interesting about that in the Gospel of Matthew is the first time he goes, he's really sorrowful about it. He doesn't want to do it. He asks God to take it away. The second time, he repeats something else and he says, but you know best. And the third time, he prays the same thing. But when he comes back and finds his disciples sleeping, Jesus is no longer weak and tired. But he says, it's time. It's time. My hour has come. He goes from a weak resignation to strength, knowing the will of God. And actually in the Gospel of John, it records that when his accusers come to arrest him, they say, where is Jesus of Nazareth? And he says, it is me, confidently, boldly, and they fall down. They're blown away by his confidence and by his spirit. And so what we see in the life of Jesus is as he wrestles with the will of God, he becomes more resolute and strengthened for the tasks that God is giving him to do. And so it is with us. When we wrestle with God's will, we wrestle with his prayers, we begin to put to death those earthly desires in us that steal our attention, steal our time, and take up those tasks that God is placing in our lives. Uh, To do the will of God. Now in the the, uh, case of Jesus, him doing the will of God looked like going to the cross for us. Suffering and dying for the sins of the world. But for us, the will of God is to take that gospel and to bring it into all the nations. In the Great Commission, Jesus says, All authority is given to me, therefore you go into all nations Preaching the gospel, baptizing, teaching, bring the gospel everywhere. And that is the mission that we have been given by God. And so when we pray this, we begin to recognize where are those places, those people that God is calling us to affect with the good news of Jesus' mercy. The next thing he tells us, uh, and he informs the content of their prayers But he says this, he says, pray also for us, that God may open a door, open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. Now I want you to notice, in particular, I highlighted these words for you, but I want you to notice, what does he not pray for? He's not asking them to pray that someone would open a door for him as he is in prison. Do you see that? He's not praying that he would get sprung from prison and his earthly needs would be met. That's not what he's asking them to pray for. He's saying, I'm going to pray that as I am in prison, stuck here behind bars, that God would open a door for the gospel to get out, that the word of God would get out, that I could declare the mystery that he would use my sufferings to free others To free them from their captivity to sin. To free them from their captivity to death and hopelessness. That through my earthly suffering, I would bring heavenly good to those people around us. Even those people who had imprisoned me. And so it's just amazing that he sees this gospel. He sees this life-changing gospel as something that has changed everything he looks through his experiences through. He sees all experiences as an opportunity to bring forth the the eternal kingdom of heaven. And that's what he asks for them to pray for. And then he says this, and I'll highlight this part. He says, give me the opportunity that the word, uh, that the door might be open so that the word might be there to declare the mystery of Christ. So we praise that through his interactions with those people around him. That God would open a door so that the mystery of Christ might be revealed to the world, and this is uh, something that's interesting: is that when we look at how the gospel happens, um, does anyone get argued into the gospel, into belief? No. Does anyone get arm wrestled into it? Right? Can you force someone to trust God? Of course not. That faith is a work of the heart in the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That it's the word that gets into our hearts that changes us. And so at some level as a Christian, as you're interacting with your neighbors, uh, you can be a kind person, you can be a generous person. Uh, you can be someone who's there at times of need, but if that time comes and you're not ready to proclaim the gospel, you miss the opportunity. Uh, we were just in our elders meeting this last week, we were, we were talking together uh, about where do you see God at work or what's a habit that you want to see in your life? And one of the elders said, you know, one of the things I struggle with is just when I recognize that I missed an opportunity, that God had opened a door for me to speak the gospel and I just wasn't paying attention. It was like a fastball, I didn't even see it coming. And I wasn't prepared to speak the gospel in that moment. And I think that's such a, a keen insight that how often does God open doors to us to proclaim the mystery of Christ and we just, we're just not ready for it. Right here, we would pray that we would be aware of those moments so that when the time comes, we would be ready to speak about the gospel. We'd be ready to speak about the mercy of God and how he has been generous to us, how he has been kind to us, and the hope that he has brought into our lives and into the world. And so when we think about our interactions, we want to think, as I am interacting with these neighbors of mine is God bringing an opportunity to speak the mystery of Christ into their life? Because if he is, I want to be ready. I want to be ready to, to take that opportunity, to walk through that door, and to bring Christ into their prison so that they might be free. He goes on to, to say this. He says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. And I highlighted this word outsiders because I think this is one thing that would keep us back from speaking the gospel is because sometimes we just don't want to believe that there actually are outsiders. We want to believe that as long as, you know, you live in Nebraska and you're a pretty good person and you like America and apple pie and you work hard, that you're in. Right, good people are in. But that's not what the scriptures say. The scriptures say it doesn't say anything about good people being in. It's saying those who have faith are made righteous. And those who believe in Jesus and hold firmly to his name are baptized into his kingdom. Those are the saved people. Those are the insiders who have been called from the outside into the inside. And so when we look around at those people around us, we shouldn't think that because people are moral or upstanding, that they are insiders. We shouldn't think that because they're trying hard in life, that they're insiders. We should look for what the Bible says, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so insiders are those who confess From their heart that Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead. And so I promise you that there are outsiders. And they're striving as hard as they can to prove themselves to God, to prove their worthiness, to justify themselves. But apart from Christ, they are outsiders. And they need to hear the gospel too. And so we need to be sober about this. To trust our king and not our instincts and not our intuition. To trust that his judgments are the true judgments. And that there are many among us that need the mercy of Jesus. As good as they might look. The Bible also tells us that God's desire is that all would be saved. And come to the knowledge of the truth. So we know the will of God for these outsiders. It's not to push them further away, or rather to bring them near by the blood of Jesus so that they might be redeemed. He says this, he goes on to say, make the best use of the time. Walk with wisdom towards outsiders, recognize them as such, but make the best use of the time that you have with them. And actually in this phrase, in the original Greek, there's this this language of exchange, actually the word is related to the word redeem. And so it's this question of, what are you going to exchange your time for? What are you going to exchange your time for? How are you going to use that time that God has given you to walk with wisdom towards those who are outside? And I think what's clarifying for us is is if we think about our future, if we think about that future moment when Christ will raise all the dead and we finally see the reality revealed in front of us, that thing that we've sought by faith for all these years, when we see that reality true as day and we look back into our lives and we think, what did I do in my life that was really worthwhile? What was gold and what was dross? Right? What was gain, true gain, and what was loss? What did I squander my time with and what was worth it? You know, this is the year of 2020, right? It's the year of hindsight. But in the future, we'll have that perfect 2020 vision to see what things really were. And I think the challenge for us is to say, what then today? While my heart is still beating, while I'm still living, as I'm going toward this future... Of the resurrection, the life of the world to come, and the blessed presence of Jesus Christ, what is going to be truly worth my time at, at that time? And maybe if you think about that, some of the things that we focus on are probably not going to be as important, are they? You cannot have everything in this life, friends. You cannot spend your time on your neighbors as well as watch three series of Netflix every night. Do you see? There's many things that will end up being a waste of time. And as Christians, we want to make the best use of time today. Because isn't that what Christ has done for us? Think about Jesus' short three years of public ministry. What did he exchange that time for? We saw him going to eat with tax collectors and sinners. Going to help those people who are broken He spent his time among people who needed mercy and grace. He didn't shun them. He didn't try to barricade himself away from them, but he gladly went and ate with them in their homes, shared his presence with them, lifted the sick, cast out demons, used his time for the sake of others, and ultimately gave his time, gave his life for us in the whole world. He exchanged his blood so that the world might be saved. And we as Christians were called into a cross-shaped life that is a sacrificial use of our time for the sake of those around us, as Jesus has treated us. And so how did, question for you, how did God win you over personally? What captivated your heart That you would say, Jesus is Lord and God. I trust him with everything that I am. Was it not his kindness towards you? Was it not his mercy over you? Was it not the time when you were broken and he lifted you up? When you were despairing and he encouraged you? When you were guilty and he forgave your sins? Isn't that the same thing and the same attitude, the same heart that we should share with people who don't yet know him. And that leads us to one of the final things he says here. He says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And I know what some of us are thinking. We're saying, I should speak with, I should be salty towards people. I can do that. I can be salty. Like, No, that's not. <laughs> that's not what he means here. He says, let your speech be seasoned with grace, seasoned with salt. What is grace? Grace is unearned favor, unearned favor. As Christians, we have the opportunity to share God's unearned favor with those who don't know that they have been favored by God. Jesus died for not just believers, but for the whole world. He's the Savior of all people, and especially those people who believe. And so when we go out into the world, when we are able to share, we share not only our unearned favor with them, we favor you, we love you, but we get to share God's unearned favor with them. You cannot earn God's favor, but he has favored you in the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot get closer to God in his presence, but he has brought you near by the blood of Jesus. You know, when we think about the gospel, the gospel means good news. How do you know if you're sharing the gospel? How do you know if you have the good news? Because it sounds good, (laughs) It sounds good. And so when we speak with those who are outside the church, we don't want to try to argue them into faith. We don't want to act like what we see on the Internet, people trying to persuade others that their political opinions are wrong. Right? Does anything good ever happen from that? What we want to do is share the good news of the gospel. That God's favor has come to the world. That the people in darkness have seen a great light. That those who are captive to sin and death and the tyranny of Satan, they are free in the name of Jesus. It sounds good. That this world is not hopeless, but Christ will return. That sounds good. That God has not turned his back on you, but that he loves you despite the sufferings you're going through. That sounds good. We have opportunity as we interact with people to bring this salt, to bring this gracious speech into the lives of those around us. And we are, in fact, called to do just that. And so, as we end here, I want to bring a few questions for you to take home with you. Uh, And the first is this. Who is an outsider that God has put into proximity to you? God arranges all things. There's no accidents. Who has God put you into proximity to that you need to to be intentional about sharing the gospel with? Bring that person into mind. And the second thought is, what would it feel like to regularly pray for that person's salvation? If you trust the Lord Jesus Christ, you trust his will for the world and for your time, what would it look like? How would it transform your heart and your interactions with them if regularly you were asking God to open up a door so that he might, you might share the gospel with them? And then third, what is one simple way that you can exchange, redeem your time in their service? Just one simple way. Uh, God has called you, he has placed you in a specific time, in a specific place, among specific people. And as you serve him, you get to declare the good news to those people that he has put you around, to carry out his will, which is that all people would be saved through Jesus. Let us do this with great zeal, amen.